0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is championed. I am Charissa Wood, a practicing dental hygienist who wants to share my passion for all things hygiene and the oral systemic connection to help empower, encourage, and equip you listeners. Bulletproof Hygiene's ultimate goal is to bring knowledge and tools that facilitate optimal patient care, healthy team culture, and professional fulfillment. If you are a growth-minded hygienist or dental professional looking to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene, then you're in the right place. Now, let's dive in and become Bulletproof together. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very special episode because for all of you Bulletproofers, we are actually um, putting this out on both of our platforms the bulletproof dental practice platform because I know there's a lot of dentists listening on that front as well as bulletproof hygiene because our hygienists need to be a part of this conversation as well so welcome everyone I'm so excited to have you joining me this episode I am joined by Dr. Katie Lee This episode is called Saved by the Mouth, and as usual, I am on my typical soapbox today when it comes to the oral systemic connection, because I believe this is where dentistry is at, and this is where we make the most impact to our patient's quality of life and longevity. Like I said, I'm really excited to be joined by Dr. Katie Lee today. She is the author of Saved by the Mouth, and Dr. Lee is a former practicing dentist and implant specialist who recently stepped away as she welcomed her sweet baby into the world. But that has not stopped her mission or passion to elevate dentistry by sharing her passion for the importance of the oral systemic connection. She is a public speaker, clinical and telehealth advisor, and author who lives in Aurora, Colorado. Dr. Lee graduated from University of Illinois at Chicago in 2010 and was an owner partner in over 80 DSO-supported dental practices throughout the U.S. She served as clinical partner overseeing five states. Currently, she consults for an implant technology company and provides implant education for general dentists. Welcome, Dr. Lee. I am so grateful for your time today and for being willing to share your passion and story with all of our fellow colleagues.
1: Yeah, I'm super excited about this opportunity. Thanks for having me. It's awesome that we get to gear it both towards hygienists and and dentists. So that's awesome. Yeah,
0: because we we all have to be part of this conversation. It definitely takes, takes the team. So Bulletproof Dental Practice and Hygiene exist to help practices find success and fulfillment in all areas of dentistry through creating the optimal patient and team experience, and of course, practicing at the highest level of dentistry. That being said, in order to practice at that level, we must embrace the latest technology and science when it comes to the oral systemic connection. I say all the time that the mouth is the gateway to the rest of the body. And honestly, we have a really big responsibility to inform patients of these connections and give them options, not only to treat active disease and infection, but to detect risk factors before they manifest into issues, because that is truly what prevention looks like. I know we have a lot of dentists listening that may be stuck in the old school paradigm of hygiene, potentially allowing 30 minute profies, viewing their hygienists as divas, considering hygiene a loss leader or evil necessity. They may be resistant to change or to invest in the hygiene side of the practice. And I want to scream from the rooftops, you are missing out on so much potential for production, for team fulfillment, for professional collaboration, and most importantly, taking the absolute best care of your patients, which is truly what brings practice growth. So Dr. Lee, I know you could not agree with these sentiments more, and I would love for you to share your story and journey through dentistry.
1: Sure. So my journey with dentistry started a long time ago. Um, When I was 14 years old, I was in an ATV accident. Um, ATV is is the same thing as a four-wheeler. So I was riding a four-wheeler. I smashed head first into a telephone pole without a helmet on, um, ended up fracturing every bone in my face from my eyebrows down. I lost a bunch of teeth. They were implanted on the telephone pole. They put some of them back in, um, had to get dental implants, root canals, bridges, crowns, you name it. I had my jaw wired shut for two months. And when they took um, my wires off, uh, my jaw actually was fused shut. So oh I underwent goodness. nine reconstruction uh, surgeries over the next four years. Um, one of the surgeries was they actually had to remove my rib bone or remove my jaw, take my rib bone, form it into, into my condyle, use some cat cartilage for the TMJ disc to put me back together. But that whole time I was unable to open my mouth. And so I experienced a lot of dental disease because I had you know a ton of broken teeth that they couldn't get into fix. So I had pretty bad infections. I couldn't brush or floss, of course, and I couldn't eat. And so I became severely malnourished. My kidneys started shutting down, my liver enzymes were elevated. And so at a very young age, I started experiencing just how much your mouth is um, tied to the rest of your body and how it can really severely impact your health. So that's what got me started into dentistry but then over time, just some other experiences that I had kind of led me down this path of oral systemic health.
0: Yeah. Wow. That is crazy, crazy story to go through. Oh my goodness. You have, you're able to have a lot of compassion for your patients that have for sure.
1: I've, I used to always tell my patients, whatever I'm recommending to you, I've had done myself, so I can talk you through it. Yes.
0: So tell me, what was your aha moment when it came to making the focus of your practice about complete health? Because let me ask that question. Did you start off just kind of your general dentistry route and then make that shift? Or did you always practice from an oral systemic aspect?
1: Um, no, I mean, I was a typical new grad dentist. You know, you don't really, you're not trained in oral systemic health. I remember when I graduated in 2010, there was this a study that came out saying that there's possibly some sort of association between heart disease and gum disease. That that was like the most that they would ever talk about it and it was like oh you know be on the lookout for this in the future we're not really sure where this is going. So when I started no um there, I definitely wasn't trained in it but what I started to notice was I've always been very health conscious because you know I had this horrific accident at a young age. And so I started seeing a functional medicine doctor and what I noticed was any time that I felt inflamed or was swollen um, so, I used to have like really puffy, you know, face bags under my eyes. I had gut issues. And every time that those would flare up, my hygienist was also yelling at me about bleeding gums. And so, I made this kind of loose association right when I started at the age of 26. Um, but over time, what I started to notice was that as my dad's side of the family was aging, they all were getting diabetes, they all were having heart attacks, they all had heart disease, and they all had high cholesterol. And my dad is a thin guy and so i i started thinking you know what is causing this and i came across the book beat the heart attack gene by bale and Donine, and that was like that was my aha moment because i said oh there has to be something that's associated and there was an actual entire chapter in that book dedicated to oral health and how it affects um heart attacks and strokes and so when i read that saying that 50 percent of all heart attacks and strokes are caused by oral infection Not only do they cause it, but when they isolated the blood clots that killed the patients, 70% of those clot makeups were oral bacteria. And I just said, oh my gosh, this is, you can't argue this. This is a big deal. So I went and I did all of the tests that they recommended, including, you know, the IL-6 test and realized that I I have the IL-6 mutation, um, which means I'm chronically inflamed and I'm at high risk for being overactivated. And so that was really my aha moment of like, holy cow, I got to take care of myself. I got to make sure that my inflammation levels are low, including my oral health being in check. And so then I started to talk about it more and more with my patients. I love
0: that. And um, yeah, Dr. Brad Bale and, and Dr. Amy Donine are are huge champions of den- the dental world And the collaboration between dental and and medicine, because they're like I said, it's the gateway to everything. So we've got it. We've got to
1: all be on the same page. It really really came full circle before I left my practice. They had actually started sending me patients. Um, So that was really cool. (laughs) Nice. Oh, my gosh.
0: That's amazing. So I think so many times when we look to make changes in life and honestly, whether it's personally or professionally, we, we tend to look at the end of someone else's journey and we hear all the steps they took and we experience overwhelm and stagnation because that just seems like way too much. But the reality is change is always a process with small steps. And when it comes to something as important and multifaceted as treating a patient truly comprehensively, to me, it is worth the process for sure. But there are so many considerations to be made and boxes to check. Tell me what were the pain points for you, for our listeners thinking, you know, this this sounds good and I would like to practice this way, but I'm, you know, I'm nervous about a lot of this. What were the pain points for you in bringing this level of care to fruition and what did implementation look like?
1: Yeah. So, you know, just to start with the first part of the question, the pain points, you know, I kind of got them from every which way. So first was um, my teen because they hadn't, I had not been trained in this way. So I knew certainly that they hadn't been trained in this. And so there was this resistance in the beginning of, you know, why are you doing this? Is this just more for production? Are you, you know, trying to make more money for this? Um, You know, the, the doctors, right? Like when they come out of school, they barely know how to perio probe. So they just want to focus on the teeth. Why are you asking me now to talk about oral systemic health? you know, even some hygienists were, were pushing back because they said, you know, no, you know, I've never practiced this way. I'd rather just educate, 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 educate my patients. They'll get better, you know, cause I'm so good at educating. Um, I don't want to do, you know, I can't add any more procedures to my allotted time of treating patients. Cause there's just not enough time in the day, you know, the treatment coordinators, they were pushing back. How am I supposed to, to talk about or, or sell? You know, we always say that that's such a bad word, but sell adjunctive services that are not covered by insurance. Um, So there was a lot of pushback from my team. There was also uh, pushback from patients, right? Because a lot of them, you know, I had the patients that were part of my practice and they said, well, I was fine last time, or I've been fine for the past several years. Why are you changing or new patients coming into the practice? I've been seeing the same clinician for 20 years, and they've never said I had an issue. Or we had, you know, the patients that were coming in for the, the cleaning new patient special, right? That were there for their free cleaning. So why are you talking to me about this? I'm just here for my free cleaning. So I got pushed back on from both my team and for patients on that. And in terms of implementation, you know, what I realized through many errors, I don't wanna make this sound like, you know, I just woke up one day and, and put this into my practice cause it's not how it works. Um, it was definitely a time you know, a a long span of time. And what I realized that worked the best was, I always say, you know, go low and start slow, right? Um, we had to tackle low hanging fruit first. So what I did is I just started, you know, um, cramming education down their throat as much as possible, because I wanted them to know that we were doing this for the good of the patient, not the good of the practice. The right. good of the practice comes when you treat yes. patients well, right? And and the, talking about profit and money is not bad. It, it is a result of doing good dentistry. That's what people need to understand. Right. And so every morning, you know, we had our team huddles and I would just read off the latest research. If I found an article on oral systemic health, I would bring up the article and I would talk about the article and read stats, and I would never inflict my personal opinion on it. I just wanted to give them the science. So once I gave them the science, next it was, I have to train them how to actually speak about this to patients. Because what I find is anytime I want to put, you know, something new into my practice, there's always going to be resistance to change. You know, a normal person's going to say, I don't want to do this, and Most of the time, it's because they don't know how to actually communicate it to the patients. Correct. And so I spent a lot of time creating actual verbiage and dialogue for my hygienist, my treatment coordinators, and my dentist to explain to patients what's actually going on. And the key to this was to keep the explanation simple because the simpler your language is, the more it means you understand what you're talking about. I'm sure you've seen those, those clinicians, hygienists and dentists, right. Who just talk in circles right. to the patient and the patients is totally lost and they don't know, like, even if they're at the dentist anymore, cause you know, the clinicians off on a tangent, that means that provider doesn't really know the microbiology, the science and the disease process that they're talking about. And so I wanted to create something that was super simple. Give the clinician the microbiology and the science to understand what they're talking about. So then when they communicate it to the patient, it rolls off the tongue as if they're not even needing to think about it. So gave them the science, gave them the communication tools. And then I actually had to train them on how to do the procedures, right? Because the next pushback thing I got was, doc, I don't have time to do this. I don't have time. I don't have time. And I said, you do have time. We just need to work on your clinical efficiency skills. So that was kind of an aha moment for me because in the past, I've always trained dentists on how to be clinically efficient and help them with their preps and things like that. But I had never spent time with my hygienist actually showing them properly how to scale or use the laser or what have you. I remember I went in one time and the hygienist was using the Cavatron tip, um, like putting the actual tip against the tooth, right? Instead of using it properly, which is why the patients were having sensitivity. So I just spending a little bit of extra time showing the clinician how to actually work efficiently goes a long way. Um, And so once we kind of got past that, then we started talking about adjunctive services. How do we incorporate those? Why do we incorporate those? And then once we got the basics nailed down, then we moved on to testing. Um so and we can talk about this a little bit later but then I started incorporating other tests but I never added something to our toolbox until we had mastered the previous set and I think that that's super important because a lot of clinicians and owners just kind of throw darts at a dartboard and pray that something sticks and then nothing sticks.
0: Yeah. And I think what you said is very true at the beginning of understanding the science is the most crucial part because your why is going to determine your way. So if you understand the, why am I doing this? Well, it's because my patients are at risk for major systemic health conditions. If I ignore this, if I don't inform them, if I continue to do a bloody profi. you know, there's a really big ramification that comes from that. So really understanding the science first, I think is true and beautiful. Um, when you guys did your verbiage, was that something you guys kind of created together or was that something you just made and then helped them understand?
1: So in the beginning I made it cause I I'm, um, the queen of simplification. I love simplifying stuff. And so I gave them the verbiage and then we actually would role play. And this yes. is so underutilized in dentistry. I did it with my, cl- my dentist all the time, but I would never role play with my hygienist, which makes no sense. Um, and I would never role play with treatment coordinators, which they're the ones, you know, getting case acceptance, which again, makes no sense. So I started uh, having hygiene only meetings. Um, we'd have team meetings, of course, but then I'd have specific hygiene meetings and they were quick, you know, maybe 30 minutes once a week. And we would, I would give them the verbiage and we'd role play. And then they would make it their own and say, Hey doc, how does this sound? Is this, you know, clinically correct? And they would role play, um, with me. So that was really beneficial. I love that. I've created a lot of verbiage for our practice and I always say to everyone like, "Hey guys, this is
0: really just a guideline. You ha- it has to come naturally and authentically from you, so please don't be a robot and try to spit this back out exactly. Like, you make it yours because it needs to be authentic."
1: Yes, for sure. And I but I also encourage them to try and say you know, pretty much the same thing every time. Yes. I always, you know, laugh when every time I hear a clinician talk about, you know, a crown prep or something or a crown, they talk every time they explain it's different. And I'm like, how do you know if you're being effective in your communication? Because, you know, sometimes the patient's going to accept what you're saying and sometimes they're going to say no. But if you change the way you do it every time, you don't know what's actually working and what's not. Yes. Yes. Well, tell me,
0: um, can you share some of the biggest wins by practicing at this level? And I want to back up for one second and just say, you know, I mentioned briefly at the beginning as I did your intro that you were overseeing how many DSO practices? Um, I owned
1: uh, 80, 84
0: yeah. So that's a, that's a point I really want people to hear because this is not like you were just a doc in a single practice implementing this. You were implementing this in a major way. So yes. I know we have a lot of listeners that are, you know, single owner practices that think, "Oh, you know, well, you know, this seems difficult to do here, but you were doing this on a on a broad scale." So I think that's an important point to make. Mm-hmm. Um tell me, can you share some of the biggest wins by practicing at this level?
1: Yeah, you know, one of the things that I realized because for so long, you know, I also was a clinical partner in five States and I practiced full time. Right. So I had my own practice, which I think was really beneficial because it got to, it showed me what was working and what wasn't before I could take it and and scale it. Um, And what I realized for so long, I was really trying to uh, go through the doctors, the dentists to elevate the practice on oral systemic health. And what I realized was, you know, these dentists, a lot of them are out of school, right? They're still trying to figure out how to do general dentistry. There's no way I'm going to be able to add another layer to what they're already trying to learn and master. So I kind of had this aha moment of let's try and come in through the hygienist and see if I can get it to come up, you know, to accelerate that way. And I'm telling you, once I went the hygienist route, I mean, it exploded and the docs thanked me because they're like, oh my gosh, thank God. I don't have to like worry about doing this. So I came in through the hygienist and really what I started to do was I said, let's elevate our level of practice by probing every cleaning. I said, every cleaning patient should get probed. And that was like, Oh my gosh, you know, we can't do that. We don't have time. Patients are going to hate us. But there's so many different clinicians, a lot of times that will see a patient or there's turnover, things like that. And so it's really important that whatever clinician is seeing them that day, gets, you know, all the diagnostics that they need to make an opinion. The other thing is we know that health can change in 90 days, right? So if, if we're probing a healthy patient who had a bloody profi, if we're not probing them for a year, right? Cause that used to be the old standard once right. a year for healthy yep. patients. Yep. We're allowing that patient for disease to set in. And now we're playing catch up the rest of this patient's life. So I, that was really the first thing I changed was let's probe every patient, every cleaning, and for the clinicians that said you're overdiagnosing, you know, I don't want to, to jump in. I want to educate my patient. I said, okay, if you have a bloody prophy and you don't want to diagnose, have them come back in three months, do another probing and let's compare results, you know, and then the proof was in the pudding, right? Because those patients aren't going to get better. 85% of people um, that have fours and bleeding progress to perio within three months. So we knew they weren't going to get better. So um, that was really what I started to do. And then um, I found, uh, I called them, um, regional hygiene leaders, RHLs. And so I found like kind of the top hygienists in each area or lo- like geographic area who really loved practicing this way. I spent all of my time with them, educating them up to a doctor's level. I didn't change the, the science whatsoever, or how I practiced. I talked to them as if they had a DDS behind their name, um, And then they went and disseminated that information to other hygienists. Cause what I, what I realized was I got a lot further when they were learning from people that had the same kind of environment and pain points that they did, right? Like you're a dentist, but you're, you're drilling on teeth. You're not dealing with talking to patients and cleaning their teeth all day. So it went much further when I had the hygienists lead each other nice okay. so
0: there was the win obviously for hygienists because i'll yeah. say too when you know every hygienist that i talk to anytime i'm coaching a hygienist we always start with the why why did you get into this and it's always to take care of people you know yeah. to do what's right for them and so you know it makes sense that this approach come through the hygiene door because We spend more time with these patients than anyone else. They come to us, you know, whether it be yearly or biannually or every three to four months, depending on their situation. And we have the opportunity to do those assessments and really dig in and see what's going on and step back and look at the big picture. So I think it's definitely a win from a hygiene standpoint of honestly fulfillment in getting to do what you love to do. What kind of wins did you see from the just team culture in general?
1: Yeah. And just to add with the hygiene, hygiene department, um, I just want to say that, you know, during COVID, there was a mass exodus, right? right. Of hygienists from the profession. Yes. And it was very hard to find a hygienist and then retain them for long periods of time. Well, COVID, as we know, is directly linked, the severity of COVID is directly linked to patients' periodontal status. You know, you're nine times more likely to die from COVID if you have perio. Right. So, Elevating the hygienist from a hygienist to an oral healthcare care professional was huge. And that helped not only retain my hygienist, but attract new hygienists to come work for me. Um, again, there's always a financial reward when you do the right thing for the patient. So my hygienists were making a killing um, at my office. Financially for the practice, um, you know, I can't say enough good things about it. Patient retention went up because patients knew that coming in, we were going to actually be taking care of them. Um, and not just trying to upsell, um, services because they, they knew the why behind it. We spent a lot of time educating patients and then financially, you know, my hygienists were doing three to 3,000 to 3,500 bucks a day. Each of them, they only saw eight patients a day and they only worked four days a week. And so my hygiene department, I had two hygienists. They were bringing in 120 K a month for my practice. I mean, that's, that's pretty killer. Yep. Um, I also had a periodontist in my office, so All of their, uh, we had a very standard perio referral protocol that um, someone that had five millimeters um, uh, probing and SRP automatically went for consultation with the periodontist. So, you know, his, his program flourished, which was great. And then we created brand loyalty patients um, that would go out and sing our praises to other people. Um, You know, they'd see their friends and family and they would say, you know, oh, my dentist doesn't do these things. Oh, well, you should go see Dr. Lee because she'll do your bacteria test. She'll do your eight test. She'll make sure that, you know, or she'll check to see if you're genetically predisposed to inflammation. And so we had, you know, some patients would come to us just for our perio program, and then they'd see their regular dentist on the side. Nice. Nice. Well,
0: I know we have a lot of listeners today that are very aware of and knowledgeable about the oral systemic connection, but maybe not so much about how to really make an impact on this front. Um, I've helped so many hygienists implement salivary testing into their practices, and there seems to be a lot of hesitancy, hesitancy, like you said, and some pushback from a standpoint of timing and what to do with the results will you share with us your thoughts on salivary testing and how that fits into your practice? Because I know you utilize it in several aspects. One of which you mentioned is the MMP8 enzyme. And I will say, I love to learn. I love new information. I totally geek out on this stuff. This is new information for me, the MMP8. Um, So please, 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 will you help all of us and me understand what this is, why it matters, and then what do we do about it?
1: Sure. So I think salivary testing is a must, right? Because we're fighting a disease that you can't see the process. You can see the result of period disease, but you can't see the disease process. And you also can't see what's causing it, bacteria, right? We can't see that. So we're fighting an uphill battle if we're trying to fight a disease that you can't see. So in medicine, they have all sorts of tests that you can do, CT scans, x-rays, blood tests, all of these things to help uh, doctors see what they can't. So we need that in dentistry as well. So that's really important. I think salivary diagnostics is also important because it proves to the clinician and reinforces that they are doing the right thing for the patient. And then also proves to the patient, hey, I do have a problem going on that needs to be treated, right? It's not just my provider saying that something's wrong. Right. So I'll start with that. Um, And the first thing we did was we uh, um, implemented oral DNA, bacteria testing first. um, And then after that, we went to MMP8. And what I realized was, For so long my offices would not do the oral DNA testing, um, the bacteria test, because they didn't know how to communicate it to the patient. They didn't know actually what it was testing for, and they didn't know how to communicate the results. And then they didn't know how to manage the patient down the line with those results. And so once I realized that, again, we had to step back and teach them the science of it, give them the verbiage of how to actually describe it to the patients. And then teach them how to manage it. And we just did case study after case study after case study um, to make sure that they felt comfortable um, in managing the patient's long-term. Then we incorporated MMP8 or the perio fitness test. This one I, I love and I talk about it all the time in the book. So what MMP8 is, is it's actually an enzyme and think of it like a pair of scissors. So in our, in our gum tissue, in our, um, in our gut, everywhere in our body, we have collagen, right? And uh, that's going to hold our cells together. Actually, if you think about it, people always say, how do bacteria in the mouth get to the body? We know if you have a, um, you know, used to be a hip, hip replacement or joint replacement, which is no longer, but if you have a, an, un, uh, unrepaired heart defect or a heart valve issue, right. You're going to take antibiotic pre-med because we know bacteria from the mouth get into the body. Well, no one really understands the process of how that actually happens. So MMP8 is the link of oral systemic health. That's a good way to think about it. So what MMP8 is, is when you have bacteria that's in the mouth, the body knows that there's an infection or bacteria that's not supposed to be there. So it's going to initiate the body's inflammatory response, and it's going to release all those white blood cells and proteins and things that are going to go and take care of that infection. Well, those bloods or those white blood cells need to have a way to get through all the tissues to get to the source of the infection. So what they do is they release activated alpha MMP8, which acts as a scissor to go and cut through the tissues to allow all of those healing proteins and blood cells to get to the source of the infection. So MMP8 is the connection between the mouth and the rest of the body. Does that make sense?
0: It does. So elevated levels of MMP8 tell us there's inflammation that that Basically, there's leaky gums going
1: on. Leaky gums, yeah. yeah. So elevated MMP8 tells us that there's collagen breakdown because that's the it's breaking up the cell junctions in between the or it's breaking up the the junctions in between the cells. So MMP8 tells us that we have active breakdown going on before you might even see clinical signs. So there's a lot of research out there showing that MMP8 is predictive of 18 months future destruction. So what's really great about this is it allows us to go from being a reactive profession to a proactive and preventative profession. And I know you mentioned that when we first started off of how do we prevent period disease, right? And you know this kind of came full circle for me because when I first started um, on this oral systemic health uh, journey, I said, my goal is to prevent periodontal disease in my practice. I didn't know what I was saying. I just like threw out a big lofty goal. Well, then MMP8 came around. I said, ah, oh, this this is a way that I might be able to actually start moving towards that end result. So if this is a chair side test, it's super easy. Um, there's a rinse test that you can do. And then there's a little, you put it, it looks like a little, um, honestly, it looks like a pregnancy test. And then you put it into a reader and it'll give you a result. Anything below 20, patients healthy and stable. Anything above 20 um, and above 50 even means that there's severe, fast breakdown going on. And, and a lot of times that happens without even seeing the clinical signs. Nice. So you get a chair side reading right away. Chair side reading. Yeah. Nice. And that's different from the vac- a lot of the bacteria yes. tests where it's, yes. you know, seven to 10 days down the road. Yes. Yeah. So, so MMP8 is because it's present in the saliva. It's also present throughout the rest of the body. So if you have leaky gums, you have leaky gut. Yes. So we call it like a fitness check for the patient. So this is something that would be done at every appointment because you want to see how the patient is doing on their own systemically. Whereas the oral bacteria test, you know, is just testing the bacteria in the mouth with which mind you, if we put two and two together, you can have elevated levels of bacteria in your mouth and a low MMP8 score, meaning that that bacteria in the mouth is not getting to the rest of the body. But if you have elevated bacteria in the mouth and an elevated MMP8, well, now the gate is open to systemic issues. And as far as seeing
0: a patient who has elevated levels, just treating the infection is
1: going to decrease that. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And we also try and do other things to lower systemic inflammation. So my hygienists were very good and we spent a lot of time training them on nutrition counseling. They did a ton of nutrition counseling for patients. They did lifestyle coaching for patients and they also did supplementation uh, coaching for patients as well. Cause supplements are so important, you know, our food sources are not all that great, um, anymore. And so a lot of people are deficient in a lot of different areas. And so my hygienist would create personalized care plans and actually write them out for patients, circle lifestyle, nutrition, and, um, supplemental recommendations for the patient and give them their plan. Nice.
0: Um, and I, and I think this MMP8 makes a lot of sense in the aspect, because I feel like there's a big push right now for patients to take collagen. You hear a lot taking collagen, but if you've
1: got a high MMP8, taking the collagen isn't going to be beneficial, correct? No, yes, exactly. I'm so glad you brought that up. I was just talking, um, I think I, I wrote a blog about this, but I said, you know, there's this whole push of let's take collagen. And I said, well, how about we prevent degradation of the collagen we already have? right? (laughs) Let's start there. That's the best tool that you can do to increase your longevity and stay young as long as possible. Yeah. I love that. I love that.
0: I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to do some implementation. I like it. Will you be willing to share a couple of patient stories that have come about from practicing this way?
1: Sure. There was one that happened and I talk about in the book too. There was one that happened right when I started dabbling in, in oral systemic health. Um, I was part of an organization called dental lifeline network where they would refer patients to me that, um, needed to have life-saving medical procedures, but could not get cleared because they had dental issues, but they, uh, couldn't afford to get dental work done. So I would see those patients do whatever they needed to do so they could go on and get their life-saving medical treatments. So they referred one patient to me who had severe, severe lung issues, um, She was in an accident when she was younger. You know, I have like more details in the book, but she essentially couldn't breathe at all. Horrible COPD. Um, She was on uh, systemic um, anti-inflammatories to keep the inflammation down in her lungs, which as we know, uh, you need inflammation to heal, right? And to fight off infection. Well, because she was on systemic anti-inflammatories for her lungs so she could breathe, she was kept getting all of these chronic illnesses, especially in her mouth. So when she came in, we did very basic treatment on her. She had a couple cavities. I think, you know, we might've done a couple crowns. Um, and then we, her perio condition was not all that bad, but again, because of the medications that she was on and her health condition, it was really having the systemic effect on her that even at the time I wasn't aware of. So we rendered very basic periodontal therapy. Um, we did give her some, some systemic antibiotics to help her fight off the bacteria that was in her mouth. Um, And we confirmed that, that one strain of the bacteria that was in her mouth was affecting her lungs. Um, And she came back to me a few months later, she was off her oxygen. And I said, you know, how are you doing? And she said, I didn't have to undergo any of those medical procedures. And my pulmonologist said, what the heck happened to you? What did you do? We don't need to do any of this because she was going to go on. I think it was Remicade is what they were going to put her on. And she said, I just went and got my dental work done. And that was it. And so ever since then, I mean, she saw me every eight to twelve weeks for care. I love just that by keeping so your mouth much. healthy. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And then, can
0: I prompt you to share one more because I've, you know, checked out the book. Um, yeah. Your, um, you have a team member that came yeah. to work for you because of what you were able to do for her.
1: Yeah, I was actually just going to talk about that one. So that was another really cool one. Again, early on in my in this journey. Um, it was a young girl. She came in, uh, my hygienist came and got me because she was really freaked out about what she saw. This, this uh, young girl's gums were so inflamed and bleeding. And there wasn't a whole lot of etiology on the teeth, right? Like typically you would suspect lots of plaque and tartar everywhere, mouth breathing, things like that, tongue ring, right? Um, But she seemed pretty clean. And so we asked her, we said, you know, what's going on? And she said, you know, my gums have always blood. Um, everyone just tells me to brush and floss more. And I said, well, this is not normal. So we ran some tests on her. Um, she had, you know, high IL-6 or she had the IL-6 mutation. She did have some bacteria, but nothing nothing crazy. And so we rendered periotherapy, but I said, you know you need to go see your primary care doctor because something is is amiss. And so she went and got a bunch of blood work done. And lo and behold, she ended up with systemic endometriosis. She had lesions in her lungs. Uh, she also had polycystic ovarian syndrome, which was affecting her hormones. Um, so she got treated, uh, for all of those things, plus our perio treatment, everything resolved for her. And so she came back to me. Um, I actually didn't recognize her. She was working at one of my satellite offices and I went there to coach that day. And I said, Oh, hi, you know, I I'm Dr. Lee. And she's like, I, I know who you are. You know, you were my dentist. And I was like, Oh crap. And she said, you know, you saved my life. And she reminded me of the story, which I knew right away. Um, You know, it's funny as clinicians, right? We don't really sometimes remember faces, right? But if you look at x-rays or if you look at a perio chart or in someone's mouth, you know, exactly. it all comes back to you. So it was one of those scenarios and I was like, oh yes, I remember you. And so she said, you know, you really saved my life. And so um, I wanted to come back and help other people the way you helped me. So that was really cool. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And, you know, this
0: just take talk, talking about the value of testing for the interleukin, you know, the, the, if there's deviations in that, because like you said, bacterially, there wasn't a whole lot there, but you know, if you've got that mutation, you're going to hyper react to that.
1: And that's so important for, for patients to understand and for providers, because You know, patient coming in saying my gums have always bled, but I'm pretty clean. They need to understand like, hey, you're coming to me, right? And I teach my hygienist to say this. You're coming to me with a genetic predisposition for inflammation. So I have to help you keep your bacteria, bad bacteria levels virtually down to zero. Otherwise, you're going to overreact to whatever's in your mouth. So it's, it's really about putting the responsibility back on the patient, right, of like, this is what you're presenting with, I need to help you be your best self and be as healthy as possible. And this is what we're going to need to do every time you come in, most likely, because of your, your genetic predisposition. Yeah, yeah. I love that
0: it does. It just puts the empowerment in the patient's corner to when they understand that. You know, this is my wiring. And I say to patients all the time, you know, genetics set the table, but they don't necessarily serve the meal. So knowing how you're wired is super, super important to, for that, you know, that very specified care level that we want to give you.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important for patients to understand too, right? Like there's 365 days in a year, you're going to come see your hygienist two to four times, right? What are you doing the other 361 days at home? Yes. Because your hygienist can only do so much for you, right? But if you're not doing anything else, 361 days a year, you're not going to get better. And so that's why it's, I think it's really important to, to train our hygienists to be almost like oral fitness coaches, right? Of, hey, look, I'm going to treat you clinically, but here's some nutrition things. Here's lifestyle things that you can do. Here's some supplemental things that you can do. I mean, the effect that hygienists can have on a patient's whole life is is massive. Yeah.
0: And, and we have to approach it that way. And Unfortunately, I think there's a mindset in the hygiene world that I've heard, you know, multiple times now where there's almost this ownership of the hygienist of, you know, well, I see my patient every six months and now they have this problem and I feel like they're just looking at me going what, you know, well, you're the one taking care of me and what you just said is so true about, you know, I see you between two and four days a year you know, and I'm, and trust me, I'm here for you, but things happen and stress levels change. And, you know, maybe there's some sleep issues going on and, you know, just so much can happen. So we've got to take that weight off of our shoulders and instead approach it with like, I'm here for the patient. I'm going to do all the assessments necessary, see what's going on. And then let's talk about what we need to do to really maintain, prevent disease, maintain health.
1: Yeah. And that's why the tests are so important because it takes the responsibility off the hygienist, right? Like this is your bacteria. These are your enzyme levels. And the MMP8 is such a great marker of how the patient's doing on their own because they can come in, you check it every time you track it. If that's high, it's on the patient, right? Yeah. Um, and so the, the hygienist is the oral, you know, oral health coach, oral fitness coach there to help coach the patient to be their best self and to be as healthy as possible, but it's not their responsibility. Yeah, agreed. So for any of you listeners today
0: that feel like you're hearing this, this is making sense, you know, this is a direction you want to go, but you feel like you need more support in understanding the oral systemic connection, maybe how to communicate this concept with your team um, and your patients, and then some practical tips for supporting health in this manner, I want you to check out, Dr. Lee has authored a great book titled Saved by the Mouth which is available on Amazon. I do have the link attached to the show notes. Um, will you share with us, Dr. Lee, what prompted you to write this and what should we know about it?
1: Yeah, um, you know, it, it really was just, a, and this sounds, you know, corny. It was just a passion project of mine because I found myself always talking about this topic, whether it was patients asking me questions or friends and family asking me or, or doctors or hygienists, I was repeating the same information over and over and over again. So I thought, why not just throw it all into a book, try and make it as entertaining as you can for, you know, talking about teeth. Right. Um, And this way I could give the book to people so that they can be educated because the information is not out there. And I also felt like you know, it's so hard to change a profession, right? But maybe if I educate the public, the public will push the profession to change. And so there was a little bit of that hope as well. Um, So I wrote the book, it's actually written uh, very basic language, it's written for patients, super easy to understand. Um, And I just wanted to give them all the tools necessary that they need um, to to be well, you know, and and there's good providers out there and there's bad providers out there, or not bad, but just uneducated providers. And I I wanted to arm patients with as much information as they possibly can so that they can take control of their health. So that's really why I wrote the book. Um, And then what I'm doing right now too, is a lot of people are reaching out and they're saying, Hey, you know, can you coach me? Can you help me implement this into my practice? And so um, on my website as well, I have some a link that people can reach out to me if they need help with that too. I love that.
0: Well, I am super, super appreciative of your time um, and your passion and really your courage for stepping ahead and being a leader in this front. Um, I know it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort yeah. to, to make these changes and to do it in such a broad scale. So thank you for inspiring all of us today with your story. And I am hoping that, more of you listeners are inspired as well, and you will check out the, her book, Saved by the Mouth. Um, and then, like she said, contact her if you feel like you need some support on how to do this implementation part. Don't just listen and say, oh, that would be great, and walk away. Make a change. It's so, so worth it. Um, Dr. Lee, is there anything that you want to leave us with today?
1: Um, just be your best self, whether that's a patient or a provider be your best self. And the change starts with you, right? Yes. I love it.
0: Well, thank you so much again for your time with us. I really appreciate it. And to all of you listeners out there, let's go practice complete health dentistry. That is what we are here for. Go be bulletproof in that way. (laughs) All right. Bye-bye everybody. Bye. Thanks for taking your valuable time to invest in yourself and listen to this episode. I hope it's been thought-provoking, empowering, and stirred your curiosity. If you've enjoyed this content, please click the subscribe button to catch new episodes or share this episode with your colleagues. To keep track of upcoming Bulletproof events and opportunities, visit BulletproofHygiene.com or better yet, join the Mighty Network Bulletproof Hygiene community to connect with like-minded dental professionals that share ideas, struggles, and wins. Have a great week, everybody.